Thank you for downloading this sermon from Heritage Baptist Church. We are so glad that you did. We believe that biblically faithful, Christ-centered, God-glorifying local churches are the primary means that God has chosen to expand His kingdom. If you are part of such a church, we hope that this message will supplement your spiritual diet. If you aren't yet part of such a church, we would love for you to visit us. For more details, please check out our website www.heritagebaptist.co.za Well, good morning. Continue our, our short series. It's just a two-part series on the, the ethos of Heritage Baptist Church. And so uh, last week we looked at sort of why the church exists and some of the distinctives of Heritage Baptist Church. And then I said to you today, Lord willing, uh, we would look at uh, our, our Lord's Day service, why it is structured the way that it is structured. The technical term for that is a liturgy, the order of service. And, uh, and so we're going to look at why we do things the way we do them. It's not just tradition. It's not just uh, something that we just uh, you know, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. let's let's do this. Uh, there is a lot of thought that goes into it. And in fact, we do the things that God commands us to do. So we hold to what is called the regulative principle of worship, uh, which means that Scripture regulates our worship. Scripture tells us what we are to do. Uh, our God is a holy God. Our God is a consuming fire. And our God tells us how we must come to him. Just as any king or potentate uh, would tell people, the subjects, how they are to come to him, you can't just come and high-five. So you used to say in the Queen of England, now we say the King of England. Uh, you can't just walk in and high-five him. There is a protocol uh, within every monarchy. Uh, how much more so when we come to the true and living God? Our God has told us how we are to come to him, what the components of our worship service are to be. Uh, that's why you won't find us doing you know, puppet shows on a Lord's Day service. Nothing wrong with puppet shows. Uh, you don't need to feel bad about watching puppet shows. Uh, we won't, uh, you know, if the Rugby World Cup was on Sunday morning, we won't sort of have, you know, a few songs and then watch the rugby. I know churches that have done that. Um, you will not find us doing that. We will do the things that God has commanded us to do in his word. And so we're going to go through some of the practices or the, the elements of the worship service uh, and show also that it, it helps us understand the gospel. So one way one can define the gospel, one theologian defines it this way, God, sin, Christ, faith. So the triune God who made all things made us, but sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve, and then also we all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. But God in his love sent a redeemer. Uh, the second person of the Godhead took upon himself flesh, entered into our world, entered into our suffering and weakness, and bore our shame and our guilt, and was punished by the Father on the cross, so that we might go free, so that the price has been paid and the way to receive that forgiveness is through faith. Simple, 
childlike faith, receiving a gift. Uh, we do not merit it. It's not by our own works. It's simply receiving and believing the promises of Christ. Genesis 15 says this, Abraham believed God and it was counted or credited to him as righteousness. He was declared righteous, as simple as that, uh, and yet as profound and humbling as well. It is, the, it is impossible in our fallen human nature to actually receive that. We are so proud and arrogant, we reject that. We reject the free offer of salvation. So God has to work in our hearts and draw us to himself. But that is the gospel, God's sin, Christ, faith. And you'll see this in, in the service. We will see that we come to the triune God. We come to worship him. We acknowledge our sins. Uh, we focus in on Christ and what he has accomplished. And we respond in faith. Uh, and we'll see that in the different aspects of the Lord's Day service. So we're going to go through what we do every Lord's Day. And so we start, obviously, if you on time, you will know we have announcements. Okay. You might be, no ways, I never knew that. Uh, <laughs> so let me, let me challenge you. Uh, I am sometimes late for church. Uh, that happens. We understand that. Life happens. We live in a big city. Uh, there are cycle races. There are roadblocks. There are punctures. There are just life. That's a reality. It's going to happen. But if you are habitually late, every single service, and I'm pretty sure you're not habitually late for your, where you're employed. Okay. If you are, you're probably not employed anymore. Uh, so let me say to you, the announcements are important because we are the body of Christ and they're about our life as a church. Uh, they're updates on what is happening. It's rejoicing when uh, uh, there's an engagement, a couple has returned from honeymoon, there's a, a birth. It's, it's part of uh, life as God's people. And so let me encourage you to be there for the announcements, uh, to, 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 to be a part of the family of God here. Now, just an aside, before we get into it, you might, if you've been coming here for a while, you might wonder, why don't you ask or send a money bag around? You ever wondered that? You know? Every other church I go to, they'll have a time where, you know, there's a plate passed around or a bag passed around. Um, there's a sort of a half-hour talk on money. Uh, why don't we do that? Why don't we, we, we do such a thing? Well, let me say, I don't think that it's necessarily sinning to do that. Uh, Paul does tell the Corinthians on the first day of the week when you gather to, that they must set aside some money to give. So I don't think it's, it's sinful. I think an obsession with money by a church where they spend most of their time talking about money and asking for money, that is sinful. Uh, it's revealing something else, covetousness or greed uh, within the, the, the pastor. Um, we, we, we have boxes and we have bank account details and of course God's people are to give and to be generous, but we don't do it because we have many visitors that come and that's right. Uh, God wants visitors to come to church to hear the gospel, and we are not here to ask you for your money. Uh, we don't want your money. We have something for you. We have the gospel for you. And so we've intentionally, especially in, in, in the world in which we live, where most people, many people I speak to, uh, 
have no d desire to go to church because it's all about money. And uh, many have been hurt by the church through this obsession with money and have been taken advantage of. And so intentionally, in the world in which we live, in our culture, we have decided not to do that. Uh, but we do encourage God's people to give. But that's just an aside as to why we don't do that. Now, after announcements, we have our call to worship. And that's intentional. We say it's our call to worship. We say the announcements are not really part of our time of worship. And so we make a separation. Uh, we make a separation to say, okay, the announcements are finished. Uh, the things that we get to rejoice in and the things of this life, but now we are turning our attention in a very intentional way to the triune God. It is now a time for us to worship Him. So we, we do not have you know, a prayer, two songs, and then announcements. Many churches do that. Again, I'm not saying they're sinning, but it's very disconcerting. I'm if you're anything like me, it's hard enough to come and worship and to soften your heart after a week with trials and difficulties. Even Sunday morning can be a nightmare uh, with, you know, if you have a family and children and this one overslept and then this and then you forgot something and then you're, uh, people tend to be more irritable. Uh, and then, then you come in and you're just trying to quieten your heart and come before the Lord and worship Him and then Announcements, happy birthday to so-and-so. <laughs> uh, and then I've got to, you've got to start all over again. So it's again, it's intentional. Our announcements are at the beginning, and then it's our call to worship. We are now turning our attention upon the Lord. It's a time to worship Him, to praise the Lord. The Hebrew word for praise the Lord is hallelujah. Hallelujah, to praise the Lord. And it will, there will be a reading from ordinarily the Psalms that calls us to worship Him, that calls us to praise the Lord. Listen to this Psalm, Psalm 135, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord, you who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant, or some translations, it is beautiful. Okay. Uh, we need beauty in our lives. Uh, God has given us beauty, but that's all to point us to him. He is the one who is most beautiful. Uh, many of you went away over December, maybe spent a lot of money going away, but you went somewhere that you believe to be beautiful. Isn't that right? I don't think any of us would go, you know, somewhere ugly, <laughs> intentionally. My holiday is going to be at the rubbish dump. We wouldn't do that. We, we would try to find somewhere beautiful. Some people prefer the beach. Some people prefer the bush, mountains, uh, whatever it is, because we realize that it helps us rest. It draws us out of ourselves because it's bigger than us. Uh, one pastor said, nobody stands on the edge of the Grand Canyon and says, sure, I'm amazing. And that's what we need. We're so narcissistic, we need to be drawn out of ourselves, and we need beauty. And God is so kind to us, gives us sunrises and sunsets, and here on the high felt, these powerful storms, uh, electric thunderstorms. But it's all a, a faint 
shadow of the triune God. And so we are to come to worship him. He is beautiful. You don't worship what you find useful. If you think God is simply useful, you know, he's the genie that you, you rub when you have a problem. Okay. Um, I saw a, a joke that said, the guy rubs the, 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 the lantern and the genie comes out and says, you have five wishes. He says, five? I thought it was only three. Yeah, but you have lots of problems. Okay. <laughs> if you think of God like that, he's just something that I go to when I have problems. He's useful. You won't worship him. You don't, when you have a, a, an old car, a, a broken down cheap car, you don't worship it. It's useful. It gets you from A to B mostly. You don't adore it. But if you have, you know, a Bugatti Veyron or something like that, you can understand people adoring beautiful works of art and engineering feats. Uh, how much more with God? We are to worship him. We're not coming here so we can tick the box so that my, hopefully Monday we'll go, okay, I can get that promotion because I went to church. No. He is to be worshipped because he is altogether lovely. Uh, he is glorious, majestic, beautiful in all his attributes and of infinite benefit as well. Isn't that amazing? So not only is he beautiful, but to know him and to love him is to, to know eternal life. And so we, just that, those few verses, they are important. They're there to just tune our hearts, set our focus to, to Christ, to the triune God. And then we have the prayer of invocation. Short little prayer, what we're doing there is asking God to be with us. We don't have a right. We, don't, we cannot demand God be here. It is all grace and mercy. And we say, Father... Please be with us. Holy Spirit, please be with us. The Lord Jesus Christ, please be with us. Otherwise, this is all a waste of time, isn't it right? If God is not here, uh, you're wasting your time. You should have slept in this morning. should have gone on your cycle ride, whatever it is. Uh, but he is. We ask him, Father, please come. He loves his church, and he will, he will come. Even when, even when the church is... Look, the church is, is always... <laughs> A mixture. It's always a, a lot of mess. Okay, Read the New Testament. But he is so gracious. He still comes. Even the Corinthian church, he was there. Uh, he, he is so kind and gracious. But we don't assume that. We ask him to come and be with us. And you can read the Psalms all over the place. There are cries for the Lord to come and be with his, his people. And so be praying that with the person who's leading. Lord, please come. Meet with us. Save. Holy Spirit, change hearts. Work in my heart. Help me to see you. Help me to put aside all the thoughts, all the distractions, all the fears, all the worries, the anxieties. Uh, help me to, to look on you. Turn, turn your face upon Christ. Turn your eyes upon Christ and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. That's what we are doing. And then we, we sing. And singing is, is a big portion of our time together, and uh, that's God's kindness to us. Singing is an incredible gift. We know the power of singing to move our emotions, to move our whole being. Singing is a gift from God. 
Uh, God has given it to us and he tells us, he commands us to sing when we gather. The Old Testament has singing, the New Testament has singing. Heaven is a world of song. We see that at the end of Revelation. We will be singing in the new heavens and new earth. The longest book in the Bible is a collection of inspired songs, the Psalter. Paul writes to the Ephesians addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. And so we are to sing, to worship him, to meditate on the lyrics. Now, some people will prefer different styles. That's natural. God made us all different, different cultures, different backgrounds, and so there's going to be differences. That's a reality. The problem comes is when people become divisive over styles, or they confuse style with spirituality. So sometimes you have to sacrifice, say, that's not my favorite style, but there's nothing heretical. This is, this is singing to the Lord, and so I'm going to, to sing as well. I'm going to praise Him. Now let me just say that there are a limited number of styles because we are called to sing congregationally. Okay. Very important. Uh, if you're coming to church to be entertained, you won't find that here. It's not to say that at times we don't have the, a choir, and we believe that's also fulfilling Ephesians here, where they are ministering to us in song. Uh, but if you're just coming simply for entertainment, you won't find that. That is unbiblical. We are to worship together. We are all to be singing, to make a joyful noise to the Lord. And of course, if it's congregational singing, then you're limited in the number of styles. Uh, you can't do opera congregationally. You can't do hip-hop congregationally. Uh, I'm sure there's, you, know, you can go and think about it. There's many styles you can't do. It doesn't mean they're sinful styles. It just means they're not appropriate for us singing together. It needs to be hymnic or anth anthem, like an anthem. <laughs> uh, you can tell me the correct word afterwards. Uh, like national anthems. Okay? It's that, you know, it's pointless if nobody can sing the national anthem because it's too complex. It's the same when you go to sporting events. You will know that the songs that everyone sings are singable, okay? Uh, that people can join in song. And so that's the same for us. Uh, we, we, we sing songs that we can all sing together. But we do try and have a mixture of, just as the Psalms are full of very sober, almost introspective, sometimes despairing, full of fear and de depression even, full of shame over sin. We need songs like that that are sober and serious and contemplative. We start to think. We're aware of our sin. Again, if you're just coming to feel happy, 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 that's ungodly. You need to to, to be aware of your sin. And I love that the Bible takes life seriously because the reality is life is not always happy, happy, happy. Even not the majority of the time, I would, I would argue. And the Bible knows that. But if we only have those somber songs, those serious songs, we're missing out on joy. And the, soul, the Psalms have songs that are full of tremendous joy. 
tremendous joy where it's just very repetitive even. It's just praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Uh, very simple, but glorious. And we need both. And so we try to do that with our, with our songs and our music, that we, we get a full spectrum, that we are aware of our sin, and yet we rejoice in the gospel. And it changes us because music has the power to do that. If you say music is ungodly because it affects your emotions, well, then you've missed the point of music. That's exactly why God gave it to us, so that it would affect our emotions. Uh, and so we need that. We need both of those things. Again, if you only have the joyful songs, it becomes very shallow and superficial. And then you feel tremendous pressure when you come to church to be super happy. Got to be happy. But you've, you've had a terrible week. You're going through severe trials. And there's a disconnect then. Well, how does this relate to my life? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just bouncing off the walls with happiness at the moment. I'm, I'm battling. And so the songs are there to take us from that and to understand the reality of that and then to bring us to, to the gospel in Christ, that we're loved, that it is all working for, for our good, even as, as G prayed. You know, even the, when he doesn't answer our prayer and withholds things, it's for your good. It's because he loves you as his child. Martin Luther said, music is the handmaiden of theology and second only to theology. And so music is there. It's a, it's a gift from God uh, to help us. You remember Aslan in, in Chronicles of Narnia? Uh, C.S. Lewis has this beautiful way of describing the creation as Aslan singing the, the universe into existence. And he's getting that from a Christian influence because of the importance of song. Our God is a God who gave us music and, and singing. And so enter in uh, and, and praise the Lord. And we do seek for, for good music and beautiful music. Uh, we, we seek to, of course, theologically sound music. That's critical. No point having a nice song and it's incorrect theologically. So sometimes... We even change the lyrics of well-known hymns. Uh, we don't say that, as Wesley wrote, that Jesus emptied himself of all but love. That's actually a heresy. Uh, he didn't empty himself of his divinity. He remained fully God, but added to himself a human nature. And so there are things that we change. We are very intentional. We think carefully about the theology that we sing. It must be biblical. So let me encourage you to really enter in, meditate on the words as you sing. Uh, allow your heart and your mind to, to be moved by, by the lyrics. Uh, and even the, the, the beat and the rhythm is there to help. Okay? It, must be, it must be compatible with the message that it is portraying. And then we have our church prayer. So God commands us to gather. Every Lord's Day, he commands us to, when we gather, to sing. He commands us to pray as well. And so we have our church prayer. And it's very important. Don't think, oh, it's just one person praying. It's that all, all of our hearts are united. This person is representing us, but all of our hearts should be united. We should be thinking through very carefully what has been prayed, giving our amen to it. 
our agreement to it. Let it be. Our hearts must be united. One of the guidelines that I give the, uh, those who pray is, is, is an acronym, ACTS, A-C-T-S, ACTS. And it stands for Adoration, Confession. It's not unique to me. I didn't invent it, okay? So just <laughs> don't think of me more highly than you ought. <laughs> uh, adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. And so you'll see they begin with adoration of the attributes of, of God. Worship. God. Remember? God, sin, Christ, faith. We focus on God. And then confession. Confession of sin. And again, take that for yourself. Every one of us has sinned this past week. Every day. In thought, word, and deed. It's unthinkable on the way here. I was thinking, uh, not thinking, we were listening to um, some songs. And the, the, the one song, the lyric says, uh, My sin was so outrageous. I thought, what a, isn't that a good word? How outrageous that we sin. How unthinkable. How horrific. Uh, even a, how much more as God's children, but we do it. Okay. So we must confess to him. We must repent, and, and repentance is like an, you know, an ice-cold bucket there. Okay. It's, it's, an, it's a bucket of ice in your face. It's a wake-up. It's a slap in your face because I've sinned. Remember when Nathan comes to David after his sin, so blind to his sin, and Nathan confronts him, you're the man. And that's true of every one of us this past week. Every one of us is the man or the woman. We have sinned against God. And it is right. We confess it. We bring it to the light. If you don't understand your sin, you won't understand the gospel. There is no good news without the bad news. If you're not a Christian here, that's the where you need to start, first of all, with your sin, that you're a sinner. That you have sinned against God. That sin is not an outdated medieval concept or something like that and we're past that or anything like that. You know, just, just try this. Okay? Try live up to your own standards this week. Never mind the Bible standards. Never mind anyone else's standards, your parents' standards. Just try and live up to your own standards this week. Okay? You will fail miserably. You know there is something wrong with you. And then you bring God's mirror to bear, and then you, well, it's, it's like Isaiah, isn't it, in chapter 6? I'm undone. Okay. I'm undone. I'm basically, I have fallen apart. Uh, I, I, I'm totally broken. And that's good. It's a good place to be, because then the good news can come. Then the oil and the wine can come. The healing can come. The medicine can come. The good news can come. And so we confess our sins in, in, in the church prayer. And then we, we give thanks. We must always be quick to give thanks. Thanks for answered prayer. Thanks for God's grace this past week. Thank you for every blessing and even for the trials in our lives to give thanks in all things. And then supplications. We bring our desires, our supplications, our our, our, our list to the Lord. Okay. 
There's nothing wrong when bringing your lifts to the Lord. It's right. Remember the Lord's prayer when he even taught them how to pray. It had their request, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Bring your list to God. He wants you to bring them to God. And so we bring our list to God. We pray for members in the church. We pray for those who are not well. Uh, we pray for marriages. We pray for single people. We pray for the students as they're away from their church home. We bring us all these things to the Lord. One of the things we do is pray for our leaders. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says this, First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. Do you obey, do you obey that? Thanksgivings for everyone? For kings and all those who are in authority. Okay, so he says, first of all, I'm urging you, very strong language, to pray, to intercede, to bring your petitions, to give thanks, to pray for leaders, all those in authority. I can tell how much a person prays for the, the leaders of our country by how much they complain. It's hard to complain about someone the whole time when you're also praying for them. Okay? Try it. I'm not talking about just pretending there's no corruption or anything like that. I'm not talking about being naive. We're not naive. Paul was not naive. The Roman emperors were not nice people. But I guarantee you, start praying. Pray for your enemies. You will find it hard that they stay your enemy. Okay. Pray for, your, for our leaders. Pray that, what, what is it? So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Okay. That's... That's first prize, so that we as Christians can carry on with everyday life without persecution, without, uh, you know, just living in fear as God's people, so we can live peaceful lives in all godliness and dignity. The problem comes is we get peaceful lives, but we don't live very godly lives. And then God sometimes takes away the, the peaceful part. So, so learn to use the freedoms that we have to grow in godliness, okay? Uh, to, to enjoy the freedoms that we do have and praise God for the wonderful freedoms that we do have. But let's continue to pray. When we pray every week for a different minister, let's, let's really be trusting, Lord, work. I want to hear testimonies of ministers being saved. I want to hear testimonies of mayors being saved and those in authority. But... I know God can do it. And so let's pray. The Lord would do it, that he would be merciful and kind. But do you see, that's just one example. It's not just, oh, well, it seemed like a nice, nice thing to pray for ministry, people, you know, presidents and that kind of, yeah, that sounds like a nice thing to do. No, it's here in the scriptures. God tells us to do it. Okay. And so every aspect is because God tells us to to do it. And then there's the reading of scripture, scripture reading. We read a, try and read a chapter every Lord's Day and we go through uh, books of the Bible consecutively. And uh, I meant to do some research how many books we've read through, but it's quite something over the 12 years that we've existed. I think we did start in Genesis. I seem to think, I can't, 
Anyway, it's a long time ago. Uh, we read through the whole of Genesis and Matthew, and we've done... It's a wonderful thing. Um, it might be, you know, sometimes you might hear and you're like, I don't know what that means, what does it mean? But keep coming and you'll start to, you know, get the next chapter and the next chapter and uh, you, you start to just hear God's word. Not many people do that, just read God's word, just hear God's word. Again, it's something that the Lord tells us to do. Paul writes to Timothy, and Timothy was a pastor. 1 Timothy 4.13, he says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. So there it is, the public reading of God's Word. Do you know that people get saved just through the public reading of God's Word? One of the, the great evangelicals of a, sort of a 150 years ago, J.C. Ryle, he was saved, he went to a church service, and it was the, the, just the, the reading of Scripture that the Lord used to save him. It wasn't even the sermon, it was the, the reading of, of God's Word. And so again, be praying that the Lord would work and listen to what is, is being said. And then we come to the preaching of God's Word, and we say that that is the high point of the service. You'll often hear the worship leader even say that. Uh, we, we come now to the high point of our worship service. And that's very intentional because most people, if you ask them, you know, what did you do this week? What did you do on Sunday and, uh, at Varsity? And they say, no, I went to church. And you say, how was the worship? They're going to say, the band was great. Okay? That's what they're going to say. <laughs> if people think of Lord's Day worship, they don't really think of the preaching. They tend to think of the, the singing or being entertained. Uh, and that's wrong. It should be, how was your worship service? Well, the preaching was faithful to God's word and challenged me, but also encouraged me and showed me Jesus Christ. This is where it becomes difficult, because, of course, we all have our favorite speakers. Uh, I mean, Lelo and I are the worst. If you're a preacher, you're the worst at listening to other preachers, okay? Because you're always like, yeah... I wouldn't do an introduction like that. Uh, really? That illustration? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> or you're like, you know, so that guy reminds me of my son-in-law. I don't like him. Uh, <laughs> we, we have that. It's just a real thing. Like you, 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 we, we, have, we prefer certain styles, certain people. Just like, I, I just like this person more. That's just a reality, and that's not sinful in and of itself. But if, if it's causing you to miss what God is saying, that is sinful. If you are rejecting the faithful preaching of God's word simply because uh, you don't like, I, I don't have a jacket on, okay? that's, that's ungodly. Or you're like, he doesn't pronounce the words nicely. Uh, you see, you've, and you've allowed Satan to rob you. Preaching is, is what God has chosen as the primary means to edify his people and to convert the lost. Jesus Christ, when he came as well, it's a wonderful passage in Luke chapter 4. He's doing miracles. People are flocking to him for miracles. And then he moves away. He leaves them. And he says this, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Isn't that amazing? 
He wasn't sent primarily to do miracles and heal all of Israel and raise the dead and cast out demons. His primary purpose was proclamation. And so when we gather, it really is the high point. And that's why we, we have the, the, the praying, the songs, all of that to prepare our hearts to come to the place where our hearts are softened and ready to receive God's word. And what do we preach? Well, as I said last time, we want to be Christ-centered. It is the gospel. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Colossians 1.28, Paul says this, We proclaim him. Okay. Isn't this interesting? Paul says, my preaching was proclaiming Christ. Does it mean he didn't touch on all the other doctrines and all the other truths in the Bible? No, he tells the Ephesian elders, Acts 20, he, he covered the whole counsel of God. But the primary focus of his preaching was proclaiming Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. And so pray for the preaching of God's word. It is the primary focus. It is the high point of our time of, of worship. Uh, you won't find, so if you come for counseling, you shouldn't find that you're going to hear something totally different from Lelo and I than what you heard on the Sunday. Okay? Then there's a problem. So let me say, most of your problems will be sorted out by listening to the preaching. Okay. When I meet with most people, I'm saying the same thing. Think on the promises of God. Be in fellowship. Be in community. Speak to others. Confess your sins. All of the same things that we say. Look to Christ. Preach the gospel to yourself. I'm not saying there aren't unique situations and very, you know, specific and, and, but ordinarily most of our lives, uh, most of the problems we face, uh, I'm not talking about God's sovereignty and trials that will stay with us maybe our whole lives, maybe it's illness and pain that you have to live with. I'm talking about in terms of our sanctification will be dealt with from the preaching of God's word. Here, up here. And so obey and listen to the faithful preaching of God's word. It is the high point of our time together. It is the time when we, we look to Christ. And so we come to the triune God. We see our sin. We confess it. But then we see Christ, the one who loved us and gave himself for us, the one who ever lives to make intercession for us, the one who's promised to never leave us nor forsake us, who is with you, like the fourth man with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not outside saying, you guys can do it, hold on. He's in there, in the fire with them, who's with you in every situation, carrying you most of the time through the situation. And so it is him we proclaim. It is the good news of the gospel, and you never outgrow that. Uh, the, 
the gospel is for believers and unbelievers. Okay. If you're getting bored of the gospel, there is something seriously, critically wrong with you. It is always the gospel that should melt our hearts. It is always the gospel that reminds us that we are loved and strengthens us through every trial and difficulty. It is the gospel that shows us our sin and how amazing Christ is that he still loves us. It's Christ that we point to him. And then we end with a benediction. Okay? It means a good word. We end with a good word. Uh, and, and the church throughout history has done this. And in fact, the synagogue worship at the time of Christ had the same, the same liturgy. Okay? And so we are sent out now to respond to what we've heard. It is a blessing that we are, we are given. So the benediction is not the time when you quickly pick up your communion cup and <laughs> zip your Bible up and uh, let me, I've got to get out that door. Uh, um, no, <laughs> this is, you're missing out on, 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 on a glorious aspect of our worship together. I, don't you want to be blessed? Don't you want God to bless you? It's I love the benediction. I, it's now you go out into the world, faith, to live it. But you see the benedictions in Scripture, the blessings in Scripture, were never just be blessed. Uh, <laughs> I hope it goes well for you. <laughs> In, in Scripture, in the Old Testament, the, 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 the patriarchs would, would bestow blessings, benedictions upon their children. And, and you see that throughout the Scriptures. But it was not just, you know, I want you to be, to be blessed and be prosperous. The Father would actually ensure that it happens by giving part of their property and their land and their wealth to ensure that it actually happens. So within the very blessing is the power to accomplish it. So when the benediction is the one that will, the, the benediction par excellence, Numbers chapter 6, when we do that one, when it says God's, God's peace be upon you, it's not just, well, I hope it happens. God has, has determined that he will accomplish that in your life. It will happen if you're his child. And so the benedictions are glorious, we, and we need that. Every human being needs to be blessed. The world tries to tell us, just bless yourself. You know, you don't need anyone. But we know that's not true. You can go around as much as you like telling yourself how amazing you are. <laughs> and you know it's hollow. We all want someone who, who has integrity and character and value, someone great. Someone who, who will be there for us, someone to say, I'm for you. I love you. Okay? That's what we all want. We need that. And of course, in the gospel, it is given in Christ. It's not just another fallen human being who will say nice things. It's, it's God. He says, I, I'm for you. I'm with you. I love you. You are my treasure. You are uh, the jewels that I gather for my crown. He likens the believers from all the nations to, 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 to plunder. 
to treasure. That we are precious to Him. We are valuable to Him. And so, uh, really look out for the, the benediction, the blessing, okay, at the end. Say, thank you, Lord. As I go out now, back into the world, I've had this time apart, this time of rest, this time of sustenance, and now I go back out. But Lord, you are with me. You have blessed me. And if you're not a Christian, come to Christ today so that you might know that, even right now, before we even get to the benediction, so you can enjoy it as we get sent out. Cry out to the Lord, even in your heart. Confess your sins to Him now, and He will save you. Spurgeon said, it's, it's, it's uh, quicker to pass from death to life than He could even say those words. Okay, uh, Just to simply cry out to Him. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Oh, Father, we do praise and thank you for what you have commanded us to do, the traditions that you have given to your church. Uh, we know that in every culture, in every people group, it is traditions that give us stability, that give us identity, that give our lives meaning. And so we thank you so much for the traditions that you have given us. You call us to gather as your people on your day. You command us, but you also give us the privilege to do this. You tell us to sing and to pray. You tell us to proclaim your word and to sit under the proclamation of your word and to be sent out with a benediction and to practice communion and baptism. And so, Father, I do pray for all of your people here at Heritage, that this would not become a dead tradition, but once again they would be renewed with zeal and just amazed at the beauty of this service, all that it contains, how it points to you, the triune God, how it shows us our sin, how it shows us Christ, how it strengthens our faith and prepares us for the coming week. We do ask that you would bless all our services until you take us home, that we would know you in every meeting, we would meet with you in a wonderful way, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that today you would work in every one of our hearts, from the youngest to the oldest. In Jesus' name, amen.